This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. FM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Tech Talk this morning. Um, Now, for some of us, our passions can be something as simple as Lego. It could be stuff like uh, playing the guitar, buying guitar pedals and spending fortunes on that. Or it could be something a little bit different. It could be something like mechanical keyboards. Now, what happens when your passion and your hobby become something else? On the phone with me right now is Caleb Chandran. He is the founder of Monokay. They make mechanical keyboards. Now, welcome to the show, uh, Caleb. How are you? Hey, Richard. Nice to be on the show. Great to see you. Uh, you too, my friend. Um, I understand you're in uh, Taipei right now. Yep, that's correct. Uh, we're here to kind of work out some things with our manufacturers here. Okay. Now, um, I myself have a mechanical keyboard. It's nothing fancy, but it gets the job done. And I've been a a fan of mechanical keyboards for years. It's essentially the tactile nature of it, the sounds of it, the way you know exactly what I'm talking about as to why people (laughs) love these things, right? But there are people out there that don't understand people like you or I. uh, And for them, a keyboard is just a keyboard. How do you um, address that comment? Um, I'll say that a keyboard is kind of like a car, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of folks think to themselves that I'll, I'll just buy what's on the market. I'll just buy the cheapest thing I can find. Yeah. Um, but someone who loves cars, they know what they're talking about. They go and read reviews. They understand the difference between manual and auto. They understand how to turn on their blinkers, things like that, yeah. you know? Yeah. So the keyboard's the same thing. A keyboard's a tool. Um, and many of us use tools because they're issued to us, because they're the ones that come default, we don't have to spend money, the company mm-hmm. pays for it. But some of us realize that that's not gonna help me in my work, that's gonna, not mm-hmm. gonna help me in my life, I gotta make it better. It can be a better experience, and therefore mm-hmm. mechanical keyboards with that many options for customization allows all of us, I'm sure Richard, you understand this, to mm-hmm. customize the experience, to make sure that we're spending so many hours in front of the computer, that we're getting the best out of it, and we're protecting ourselves while typing. Mm. Now. As I said, I've been a fan for years, but it wasn't really until, um, I I suppose, like you mentioned just then, the the breakdown of the the, the pandemic when we're all sat in front of our uh, PCs for hours upon hours and we're spending money on ergonomic chairs and the correct desk and a decent mouse. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, the last big important thing I'll be spending an awful lot of time typing on is a keyboard. And it does make a difference physically, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's not just... Um, the size of the keyboard. So a lot of people who customize keyboards, they go in thinking to themselves, you know, what keys can I remove, right? So mm-hmm. that's the fastest way. It's visual. It's it's a signifier that you've done something to it. But mm-hmm. a lot of us think a bit deeper. We think about how does it feel if I have to type for eight hours a day? How does it yeah. sound? Because now we're all, you know, doing Zoom calls, Google Meet, stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, you don't want your colleagues to be complaining later on saying yeah. that, hey, could you, could you do something about that thing that sounds really loud? <laughs> so, you know, like, like what you said, it's this whole setup. It's us bringing um, the office back into our homes or maybe yeah. vice versa and trying to make sure yeah. that, hey, you know what? Maybe what you're using is not quite for me 
and I can customize a little bit so that I can be better productive in terms of work, but also I can enjoy the experience, right? Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I, I bought one and just using one um, yeah. at home and the clickety-clackety, clickety-clackety sound. <laughs> and my parents were just like, why on earth do you need something that sounds that loud? Yeah. And, and trying to explain to them, you don't understand until you've used it. Um, you know, that, that was kind of one of those moments where I'm like, I, I'm on my side of the fence and they're clearly on their side of the fence with this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, difficult situation, but I'm still with it. Now, um, let's talk to it to me a, a little bit about, um, because your background, obviously, you, you haven't always been somebody who markets and makes mechanical keyboards, have you? No, I've uh, always been a teacher, actually. So I, mm-hmm. I'm... Uh, specialized in English literature. So that's what mm-hmm. I did. That's what I read in, in uni. And I did a master's in it. Um, but n- the market for English literature, like graduates, isn't that hot, right? So that's one right. thing. Well, secondly is teaching uh, was great. So I, I used to teach in Singapore. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of worked out till the pandemic started. And I got really, really bored because there's mm-hmm. only that many ways and that many things you can talk about every day. Um, right. And I've always had an interest, kind of like you, Richard. So I've always had an experience in mechanical keyboards. I've always found it really fascinating that you could customize so many things without mm-hmm. um, spending too much time, right? It's not like a car where you got to spend a lot of money, you go to a workshop, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So during the pandemic, that's when we, you know, my wife and I decided, you know what, we're both teachers, but we could do something about this. We have our right. own ideas and we kind of quit yeah. and we went ahead and did this. <laughs> I, I love that we just we just quit and went ahead and did this um yeah <laughs> how 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 big of a decision was that to do that though? i mean because for a lot of people just quitting something that you've trained in you've done for years and you feel comfortable in you know to kind of suddenly come to that um crossroads and make that decision how how difficult a decision was that um well i could tell you something that my parents said um so i was like we were stuck in singapore right because you couldn't cross and, and, and stuff like that and my mom was telling me like this is the worst time you could do this because you know it's it's a peak of pandemic it's 2020 everyone's closing down everyone's being mm-hmm. fired and here you have me telling my mom like you know what this is the best time to quit my job and and she's like what's you know what are you thinking about <laughs> um but like credit to my parents they they always think of it as all right if you have a plan go ahead with it. Like we're behind right. you, but we just got to tell you things that you could think about, right? So yeah, a lot of friends didn't understand because like like you said, right? Because when I tell my parents about mechanical keyboards up to today, sometimes they turn around and ask me and say, you know, my friend asked me about what you're doing and I still can't explain. And everyone thinks <laughs> I'm selling musical instruments because they're like keyboards. <laughs> you mean like drums and guitar and, you know. Uh, and so we kind of switched. So the switch happened over time, actually. It, it was more of a gradual process. It took about six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, did, we did some products on the market. It sold. Um, and then we accumulated some money from teaching. We saved a bit. And that's when we knew we had a number in mind. Once we hit that number, we knew we could quit because we mm-hmm. knew we, would, you know, we wouldn't starve, but we'd be right, fine. Right, you know? right, yeah. yeah. And what do you think the uh, the keyboard community is like, uh, the mechanical keyboard community is like here in Malaysia and Singapore? How big is it? And has it kind of grown or, or shrunk during the, the period of the pandemic? Yeah, it's insane because I used to go for meetups in, in Malaysia in like 2018 and it would be in a Starbucks. Like <laughs> it would be like two tables and a bunch of people chatting and that was right. it, right? Um, and then like when the pandemic hit, the amount of, people who went into the hobby, both in Singapore and Malaysia, was insane. 
we're, we're talking about a Singapore meetup with 300, 400, 300 plus people and there were still people trying to get in. Like it was, it was that many. In Malaysia, they just had a meetup as well. Lots of people. I see the entire market growing. I had this experience where a friend of mine and I've not seen him in years and stuff like that. And, and I, mm-hmm. I, I came back to Malaysia after things opened up. And I don't know him that well. So, so it was such a surprise when he came up to me and said, you know what, I, I have this mechanical keyboard. Could you tell me more about it? I bought it mm-hmm. during the pandemic. And I'm hearing this like every other week. So <laughs> it's so common now that I don't really have to explain, especially to folks around like 20s, 30s. I don't have to explain yeah. what they are. I go in, I talk about it, their eyes light up. So people in their 40s and 50s would be like, I'm not sure what you're talking about. That's cool. But the ones in 20s and 30s are like, oh, yeah, of course I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I saw this on TikTok. I saw this on Instagram. It's yeah, it's yeah. common now. It's, it's so common now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, thanks for that. Let's take a short break here, Caleb. Yep. Okay. I'm on the phone with Caleb Chandra. He is the co-founder. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay. He is the co-founder of MonoK. They produce uh, uh, mechanical keyboards. Uh, they have. How long have you been up and running, Caleb? Um, officially for about two years. Unofficially about three, actually. Okay. Yep. They've been around for about two or three years. Uh, we're going to chat more when we come back about uh, some of the ways in which you can customize your keyboard and how far down that rabbit hole you can go and just how expensive or inexpensive it can actually be. You're tuned into Tech Talk here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Benchmark for Managers, BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Tech Talk this morning. If you are only just joining us, I'm on the phone with Caleb Chandra. He is the co-founder of MonoK. They create um, beautiful mechanical keyboards, customizable. And here's the thing, Caleb, right? And I have friends who are in the community and kind of just dipping their feet. And it starts off very simply, as I'm sure you know, you know, maybe one or two customizable keycaps, and then they're changing their chords and a few of the bits and pieces. Um, what is the most that you know of somebody spending on their customized key- keyboard? Wow. Uh, so, so there are folks who actually ask for a one-off. Well, not mm-hmm. from us, from, from other makers and stuff like that. And the one-offs cost from 2,000 US dollars and above. And that's unassembled, wow. right? So it doesn't come wow. with the parts. It's yeah. like ordering a car without an engine and the <laughs> things that go into it, right? It's, it's just a chassis <laughs> and a frame. Uh, and, and so in total, I, I know of folks who spend like, you know, three to 4,000 US dollars. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not even going to convert that to ringgit because, you know, right. that's, that's a big, too big a number. Um, yeah, yeah I, I know of quite a few who have done that. I know the most expensive one and that's debatable because some people refer to the secondhand market for prices and some of them are rare mm-hmm. but i know of people who spend like 10,000 10, getting really rare keyboards that have been out of circulation for years 
So about mm-hmm. ten to twelve thousand US dollars. I know if you will spend that much. Well, and uh, what is the what is the holy grail of the mechanical keyboard world? Right. I think it depends, right? So it, it's, it's kind of split up, but a lot of people go for this Korean brand, um, which newer folks might not know. It's just called OTD. It's called On The Desk. It's a form. Uh, they've been around since 20, 2008 or 2009, um, and they've mm. stopped selling in like 2013 and stuff like that. So lots of collectors like it because there's a lot of history. It's one of the first times uh, people actually made their own custom mechanical keyboards. So that's right. one. There's another one that's Japanese. It's made by this company called PFU Fujitsu, which is mm-hmm. off the Fujitsu name. Um, and they make this keyboard called the HHKB. I'm not sure if you know mm-hmm. about it. It's really small, very compact. And they made this version where they came with beautifully lacquered um, keycaps, Urushi keycaps, kind of like your Grand Seiko kind of style and stuff like that. Right, right, yeah, yeah. The whole aluminum, stainless steel bottom. I think it released in like 2008 or nine or 10. And, mm-hmm. and that was unobtainium because they gave it to like CEOs. So, I see, I see. Yeah, but I know of people who have been, who have open offers of like 14K. That means if you can get it to them, that's it. The money is yours. $14,000. Yes. US, US dollars. dollars. Yes. Wow. I'm not kidding. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, that's a, a huge amount of money. That's a huge but amount I, of money, yeah. But I, I, I get it, I, I, you know, Collectors are collectors and they will pay for whatever they can get their hands on, you know, if, exactly. if it's something they feel it's worth the money of. Yep. So, right. Yeah. What do you think that, I mean, you, you spoke to me earlier about um, your parents sitting you down or, or, or telling you this is the worst time that you could be doing things. And, you know, obviously everybody's kind of looking at their finances at that period. Yep. What, ha- what, what for you do you think have been the, uh, the major challenges so far of um, Monokay? Right. I think for us, it's uh, basically getting things fast um, right. out of the door. So for us, yeah. it's not the lack of orders. It's the fact that manufacturing has suffered supply chain issues. Um, just basically getting things from A to B, depending on, especially in, in the midst of pandemic, you know, um, you, you have your MCO, you have your shutdowns in China, you have your shutdowns in, in Taiwan and all these countries. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. actually, what happened during the peak of pandemic, especially when uh, in the U.S., they were issuing a lot of, um, you know, like money and, and, and stuff like that was the fact that we couldn't get it out fast enough. So people right. were, were chomping at our bits trying to, trying to get it. And we were like, yeah. you got to wait another six months. You got to wait another nine months and stuff like that. So that's something that we've been, we're still working on because it's not like How did that, change. Let yeah. me just interrupt you there. How did that make you feel when, when suddenly you have a wait list of, of six to nine months? Well, um, what we do is that we, we don't feel good about it, but we always tell folks right. that, hey, um, this is a pre-order. I'm going to let you know how long it's going to take. I'm going to do my best um, to get it, which is one of the reasons why we're in Taipei right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what we do is we, you know, we do the business thing, which is we buffer extra time. We keep everyone yeah. updated. We send them photos of how things are going. Mm-hmm. And we, fingers crossed, we pray really hard that, you know, they don't have another lockdown in whatever they manufactured mm. and things like that. Mm. And surprisingly, a lot of people actually don't mind the process. I'm not going to say they like it, but I'm going right. to say that they appreciate what we're doing and they understand where we're coming from because we're mm-hmm. still a small company. You know, we don't have to scale like many others. And yeah. so they're with us on this journey. And so sometimes they're not like customers. Sometimes they're like friends. And actually many of them became our friends. Mm. Um, in real mm. life, you know, we meet up and, and, and stuff like that. 
Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's what I was going to speak to you about next. Is your your team is fairly small? You know, yep. eight people. I think I remember reading. Is yep. that about right? That's correct. Um, and and so, part of me wanted to know, like, when you hired these people, did yep. you kind of hire them for their for their passion or, or for their commitment or you know a, a combination of the two? Yeah. Um, honestly, firstly, it's about willingness, right? Willingness to try something new. <laughs> right. uh, you know, it's not it's not just the pandemic, right? It's post pandemic yeah, yeah. and what's happening in the world, and everyone's worried. Everyone's a bit jittery. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times, what I want to do when I meet these people is to say, "Hey, just understand, we're still a startup. Like financially speaking, we're not a startup." But scale wise, we are. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So we're in the mm-hmm. black. We're in the black from the first day. We never took uh, money from anyone. We had VCs come and say no because we want to control that part. Um, and right. then, and then we tell them, you know, this is your chance if you're in a big company to do something. So we, we had, uh, you know, our current operations lead actually came to us from Musk, and we told mm-hmm. him like, you know, you could choose to do that, and that's fine, right? That's comfortable. You're in this giant company, and you could do all sorts of stuff. But if mm-hmm. you came to us, you know, you could try something new. Mm. And to be honest, a lot of folks actually like that because number one, yeah. we, match, we match their pay. So yeah. we match their pay, right? So we're not going to skim. We're going to make sure you're compensated well because you're a professional and we want you to do your work. But number two is now you get to decide on some stuff that you've been thinking about. You've been complaining about like, hey, you know, this, my boss sucks and they should have done this, you know, this mm. way. Mm. And we're like, yeah, well, try it here. Except that you're, you're allowed to fail, right? But, you mm. know, we're smaller. So, you know, our, our buffer is not that great. So you got to work that out. And for a lot of people, they think of it as challenge. So I, I would say passion drives these people, but they're mm-hmm. committed to the cause as well. Mm. I also read that you call yourself a chief janitor, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, so you, you're, you're filling in the gaps and whatnot. Um, yeah. And I understand that. But how different do you think you are as a kind of um, a leader? Uh, yeah. you, you know, you're, you're from a different background. You're from the, the teaching world. Yeah. Uh, and now you, you find yourself um, heading a, a company that essentially sells a manufactured good uh, yep. goods, you know, and, and you're dealing with a very small team, but you're also looking at very complicated logistics if you you know if you take all that into account so there's quite a lot going off how do you see yourself as a leader and how much of you has kind of um i don't know kind of been waiting for a role like this perhaps mm-hmm. does yeah. that make sense no that that makes sense i think that's something i felt really strongly you know when i was talking to you previously about yeah. you know letting people make the choices and making decisions yeah. Um, that's how I felt in teaching because in, in mm-hmm. teaching it's monolithic. It's about, you know, from year to year it changes, right? Someone says something on top, it comes to you and you're like, oh, we're going to implement this. And you you kind of know it's not going to work from time to time. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And so you modify it on your own without telling other people, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. I've, I've always felt that there are a lot of things you can change, but I've always felt that it's the team around you that matters. You see, the leader can say all they want. The leader can do mm-hmm. all they want. But you you got to convince the person following you. And mm. it's not just it's not just through money, right? Because someone else can offer more. Someone else could do like all sorts of stuff. But you got to let them believe. And what you believe in has to be passed down to what they believe in. Mm. And in that sense, you have this team that everyone's very willing to share. Everyone's very mm. willing to give constructive criticism, but everyone's also very willing to praise each other when things mm-hmm. go well. 
So that's mm-hmm. how I see myself. I see myself sometimes still as a teacher in the way I manage my team. Right. So right. Um, a lot more leeway to make mistakes, a lot less of like who screwed up here. You know, I, I have team mm-hmm. members to say, you know, if I take on this project and I, you know, F up, you know, it's on me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, it's not on you. It's mm-hmm. on all of us because we got to mm-hmm. pitch in and help you, but you have to direct us. You know, for mm-hmm. this project, you got to bring us there, but we're all behind you. Because the mm. goal of this whole thing is so that all of us improve along the way rather than mm. saying that, oh, you screwed up. Now it's time to mm. fire you, right? Because mm. anyone can do that. But to grow... That's what I was team, just going to say. That's yeah. the easy way out, isn't it? It is. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's not what we're about. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Before I let you go then, <clears throat> uh, because I've really enjoyed this chat. Where do you where do you see yourselves in, in, in five years time or, or maybe six years time? I, I know you're over there looking at manufacturing right now and yeah. checking out the factories and things. Yeah. Um, what? Yeah. Where, where are you going to be in five years time? Hopefully. Um, it depends if the question is directed at me or at the company, right? The company. The company. Right. So for the company, I I always think of of it this way: in five years time, if this, this is going to sound really weird, but I think of myself as a caretaker of Monoke because Monoke can mm-hmm. go really far. Um, mm-hmm. And we're just happening to do input de- devices right now. We're just happening to do keyboards. I'm sure we can go into many other things. And, you know, all sorts of business leaders always say, oh, we're going to think about this product and that product. I'm not that interested in those things. I think they will come naturally. My goal is that in five years' time, Monoke has a really, really strong team in mm-hmm. different areas. So the mm. same mindset that we have coming to keyboards to optimize it, to make it the most beautiful object on your table, to keep it simple, straightforward, but yet high quality, these things need to continue and grow. And so, I mean, we definitely have plans in terms of like revenue. We definitely have plans in terms of product line, but I'm hoping that we keep getting more and more uh, folks who come in and say, you know what? I've got a good idea, maybe even better than yours, boss. Can we Mm. do this? And that Mm. would be success to me. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today, Caleb. It's been fantastic speaking with you. Thanks. Same here, Richard. Folks, I've been on the phone with Caleb Chandra. He is the uh, founder of Monoke. They produce mechanical keyboards. Head over to their website. It is monoke.co. Have a look over there. There's some beautiful devices. I'm not just saying that because I'm, you know, tempted to spend some money this morning Uh, but go on have a look and if you did miss any part of the show don't forget you can download the podcast a little bit later on wherever you normally get it from i recommend using the bfm app it's available in the apple app store or google play this has been tech talk here on bfm 89.9 the business station You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.